We here at No True Bill hereby fully incorporate by reference our disclaimer from season one. Thank you and stay blessed. You know what it is. This is Joe. And Cheryl. And I'm Ray. And this is No True Bill. Because I'm going to tell you a story today. I love when Joe tells stories. <laughs> yes. mm, mm, mm. It's been a long time. And it's not going to be great. I, you know, I'm a, I'm a 30,000 <laughs> oh, feet. You're tempering expectations. I do. That's I have to temper expectations. Great. It's a 30,000 feet type thing. I, okay. There, there is a way that I probably could have found uh, a whole lot more information on this. There is a book that was apparently written. I, I tried to find it. It was like real expensive. You know what I mean? <laughs> just just too you know much I mean? for this. And I was like, dang. Well, and time. You know, we're trying to build up content right now. True. I haven't done a case in a long time. And I was like, I, I in don't. The, in the words of Eminem, stacking ammo. Yeah, we stacking ammo over here. And if I took a month to read that book, because, you know, I, I read at bedtime and it could take me a minute. So <laughs> and uh, I get sleepy. Young. I get sleepy. <laughs> That's what happens. Um so I was like, no, nah, I'm good. I'm going to go with, with these. So my sources are um, Google. FBI Files episode. Oh, show. You oh, remember yeah, that show? Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. FBI Files. Um, and When uh, you said FBI Files, I was like, you've seen the FBI's files? Yeah, no. I, yeah. Not on this that one. That was my bad. No, I used to like that show. That dude was like, I used to be in charge of the New York field office, blah, 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 blah. I had like a real thick Boston accent. That yeah, guy. That I guy. can't remember his name, but that yeah. Guy. Well, and then there was another like a YouTube style documentary um, that I saw that was these British people talking about this. This is America. I mean, this is an American thing. But every every person, every talking head in that program was British. I, di I didn't know why the Brits give a fuck about this, but lovely to listen to that. Oh, yeah. Real pleasant. Except this mm -hmm. one had a bit of an underbite that bothered me. Mm -hmm. Um. So uh, why do we care about Jack the Ripper? Because it's interesting. Shit. Yeah. Yeah, that's fair. That's fair. And they were very much intrigued. Um. And I long ago, I hadn't reviewed it. I was supposed to review it. But one of those things I should have done didn't do. Uh, My Girls at Morbid podcast had done mm. an episode on this. That's what originally turned me onto this guy because um, there are he's we're talking about serial killer today. So it has killed more than more than one person serial um, and more than one event. And that's that's new for us, right? Is that really a first like first yeah, one? Yes, we've we've covered a lot of people who have killed more than one person, mm -hmm. but usually at the same time. I don't mm -hmm. think we've done True. an actual legit serial killer type story yet. And well, and I think we all generally agree that whoever cut those girls' heads off in Morgantown has probably killed other people. But yeah, yeah. You know. Um, well, and I don't know that uh, old boy who cut old girl's arms off and she mm -hmm. survived and then killed that girl in Florida didn't kill. Oh more yeah, people. he definitely murked people yeah. abroad. Um, and uh, so uh, there are 
ultimately multiple bodies uh, put on this dude. Um, but the reason that it drew my attention, the reason I ended up considering it and doing it here today on the podcast, preparedness be damned, is um, there are pictures that are were ultimately seized um, throughout the investigation. And we'll talk about it when we get there. Um, but they are pictures of a victim. And most of the time, you know, if there's the general public isn't privy to certain pieces of evidence like that normally. Um, pictures of a victim taken by a an offender. Um, but there are ones where, you know, they were not necessarily violent, like there's no action being done to the person. Um, and so the picture in and of itself is not like graphic or anything like that. And the photographs of this case were made public and they're haunting. And that's what, when I heard about it on the podcast is when I first heard about this, got to the Google's I, you know, my morbid curiosity, I had to see these pictures and they, uh, you're going to see them. Oh, okay. You're going to see them. I always like to read those articles about pictures that are like haunting to people for one reason or yes, another. Yes. And you read them and you see the picture and, and you, you hear find what out, like, happened, what happened like right after the picture was taken right, or what was right. fixing to happen. Do you ever see that one? Picture was Maybe taken? it was in Australia where the, the, the kid got into the plane, into the, uh, where the wheel, like the wheel thing of the plane. And then at like, it had just taken off and he wasn't expecting that he's going to be like going hundreds of miles an hour and the wind is going to be buffering and he falls. And some guy was just testing his camera and happened to take a picture. And it's like a person falling out of a plane. It's fucking haunting. Actually, I did not see that. Mm. I've heard other stories about people trying to stow away on planes and fall out, but I, I've mm. never seen a picture of someone yeah, doing it. Yeah, there's a picture. Teenager. That would be sad. terrible. It's very sad. So we are going to be talking about Robert Ben Rhodes. And it's spelled R-H-O-A-D-E-S. Even though in one of his appeals they spelled it wrong. And then they had to talk about it in the next appeal. Hmm. Uh, that they spelled his name wrong. So there's an extra A in there for Rhodes. And the time frame that we're talking about is early 1990. Um, hmm. Okay. So, uh, you know, go back in your way back machines to early 1990. And I, there's been several ways. There's one particular way that this story is normally always told, and I'm going to shake it up a little bit. I'm going to tell it a okay. little different. Okay. Um, so I'm going to say February 20 or February 1990 is where I want to start this. And that I believe is it's pronounced February. Febru February <laughs> 1990, Houston, Texas. Mm, um, back to Tejas. Huh? Back, you know, back to Tejas. Texas and Ohio. It's all we yeah, that's all with. we do here. If you guys have other states, just don't just <laughs> don't, don't even send try. It in. Yeah, so it's not happening. So now, uh, Cheryl, you've spent some time in Houston. Yes. Yes. Um, Interstate ten mm -hmm. comes into Houston. Sure uh, does. Seems to be a major east-west route yep. in the area. That'll become important later. Uh, so in February, and I could not find this. Is one of those things that I hate with sources. Couldn't find the exact date. I have a suggested date. Uh, but in February of 1990, a distressed young woman off of Interstate 10 flags down officers. This woman is naked, but for the fact that she is wearing a leash, a collar and leash oh, on her neck. Uh, she says she's been kept in a tractor trailer for weeks and that she'd been raped on raped on raped on raped and abused and beaten. Uh, and that she from California. 
but she is in Houston. And please, Mr. Officer, save me. So uh, they take her, they get her checked out. Uh, but then very quickly, they get some clothes on her and they get her in a cruiser and they just start driving around Houston on Interstate 10 and going around in circles saying, you think you could spot if you spotted that truck, that tractor trailer that you could point it out? She said, yeah, I guess. So they're driving around Houston looking for this truck that she was in for two weeks. So this is before, before medical aid medical is rendered attention? or at, she yeah. apparently didn't need much medical aid. Oh, okay. That's surprising. I'm they surprised. Honestly, some, she didn't I mean, just dehydrate and die. They in a... Take her for a forensic exam though. 1990, bro. Oh, well, that's yeah, true. This is, we, we ain't messing with rape kits. We're about to scavenger hunt this. Indeed. Where, where this tractor trailer is. <laughs> where the tractor trailer is. We just go, go travel around. Yeah. Looking for a tractor and trailer on Interstate 10. We got a blanket in the truck. Wrap her up. Let's go. Where Let's is go. it? Where is... Well, although, you know, I, I'm not... Probably not the most victim-centered approach, but if it was close in time and she said, I just ran away from this tractor trailer, let's yeah. get on the road, girl. Let's try to find... Yeah, I mean, let's try to find it. you just, you just hoof, you hoofed it over here. Take right. us where you came from. Right, right. So they look around and by God, she points at a truck and she says, that's it. That's a truck. So they come up. I don't believe it was mobile at the time. I believe it was parked. They come up on the truck and they find a gentleman named Robert Ben Rhodes. He's in the truck. They, they do, they do the thing. They pull the girl out of the cruiser. Come on over here, young lady. Is this the man that's been destroying you for the last two weeks? She stares at the ground. She says, "What? no, no, that ain't him. That ain't him. And she gets back in the cruiser and shuts the door. There really? were two or three officers standing there. Police, Texas, guns. Um, and she looks at the ground saying, no, that's not him. And goes away. They let the guy go. Everyone goes on their merry way. Later that Sorry day, for the inconvenience, sir. Yeah. Later that day, she tells officers or in the way they said this is kind of interesting. I don't know if she actually told the officers or she told like some kind of victim advocate or something in the hospital that that was absolutely him. She was just too terrified. Right. Well, I mean, that makes sense, too. Um, psychology so, people. Indeed. Indeed. Psychology. Uh, so I'm not understanding people. Here's the point. Um, some people say that exact same day. I'm not entirely sure, but I know that February 3rd, a young girl in the Houston area named Regina Walters, she was 14 years old, that February 3rd was the last day that she was seen. Um, and so it is, uh, well, and again, we'll get to that later. So, who is Robert Ben Rhodes? He was born... November 22nd, 1945, and Council Bluffs, Council Fluffs, no, Bluffs, that's a typo, Council Bluffs, <laughs> Iowa. <laughs> Council now, Fluffs? Council Fluffs, that's not a real town, Council Bluffs. Uh, it is just, in, because I know you would wonder, Raymond, it is located just inside the Iowa line near Omaha, Nebraska. So right across the line is Omaha. Uh, it is the county seat of Pottawatomie County. Iowa. Right. You're welcome. Thank you. What's the size of our population here? Right. I got too many. Look, he's a serial killer. There's too many towns. There's too oh, much. Okay. Too, much, right. too many right. towns for this. Okay. Okay. So a little bit about him. Uh, his dad was in the military. Uh, when he was in high school, his dad came back from the military and got arrested for diddling a 12-year-old girl. Oh. 
after arrest, his dad killed himself. So uh, that was 1964. His dad committed suicide. Uh, he went into the Marines, got kicked out for an attempted robbery or something like that. Uh, tried to throw it at uh, college, didn't make it, uh, tried some jobs, applied to be a police, was not hired. Weird. <laughs> and uh, ultimately, he ended up on being a long-haul truck driver. Uh, he had three wives. He tried it three times. It never worked out. Um, his last wife ultimately said he was uh, very abusive, not a surprise, uh, dude was super, super into kink, but, um, you know, much more. He he tried to he was a part of the swinger society in Houston, which is where he ended up like laying his, you know, laying his head was Houston is where he, he settled. Um, his wife was not into the swinger scene in Houston, um, but he went and their, ahead and, and their did marriage that. didn't work. Yeah, indeed. Hmm. I, I know it's surprising. Uh, she would also say that he would, uh, you know, be very, um, physical. He was very much into bondage and tying him up. He, and he was a, uh, a sadist. I reckon he enjoyed inflicting pain. Um, and sometimes he found women that would consent to that. And, uh, other times he didn't find women that would consent. Um, so that's just kind of a little bit of what I was able to find about his background, uh, just that he he tried several jobs before ending up being a long haul truck driver, um, and his marriages had a lot of problems due in part to his sexual desires. Um, there's also pictures of him on the internet from this time with like chains and stuff clipped to his nipples. It's really weird. Um, so nip but, clips. But back to um, 1990. So we've talked about February in Houston of 1990. Uh, April 1990. We're going to go to Casa Grande, Arizona, which is halfway between Phoenix and Tucson on Interstate 10, which we've heard of thus far. Okay. Arizona State Trooper Mike Miller sees a rig and is pulled off. This is April 1, if I do believe. April 1. 1990. Yeah. Fooled you indeed. He sees this rig off on the side of the road, but the hazards are not on, but it's off the road. And he's like, you know what? I'm going to police a little bit. I'm going to, I'm going to come up and check out what's going on. Make sure whoever this is is all right. Everything's all right. Just checking. Hello. How you doing? He seemed like a real pleasant guy too. The, when they interviewed this old trooper. Well, I mean, Oh, you mean the trooper seemed like a pleasant yeah, guy? Yeah, trooper was sweet old boy. I was going to say, most sex offenders seem like pleasant guys, too. Yeah. <laughs> well, so as he approaches the rig, he hears something startling. Uh, screaming. Hop! Hop! <laughs> uh, pretty much. Except it just... It, <laughs> You're so stupid. I know. <laughs> just actually, well... He got himself. <laughs> It was, uh, I believe he just described it as like, uh, you know, animalistic, just scream, ah, just a oh, really? scream. Just, maybe not a help. Okay. Maybe just a, you know, not even words, just screams. not even words. Ah, yeah. Real upset. So he's like, well, I'm going to investigate this a little further. I'm glad I stopped here. So he climbs up on this rig and he's got his flashlight and he bloop, puts a light in there and, uh, he sees a naked lady in the back 
the sleeper part of the rig. He can look back in the back and see her. Um, she is bound with chains and she is screaming, uh, but it might sound a little bit muffled because she has a horse bit in her mouth. Oh. Now, at that time, the other door on the rig, not the one where he's standing, but the other door opens and a gentleman steps out of the rig and he walks around while this lady is just still screaming inside the cab. And he walks around and he's got his hands up and he puts his hands on the side of the truck and he's like, hey, buddy, how you doing, officer? Everything's cool here. I want to let you know I've got a gat in my back pocket. You can see my hands, but I carry a gat. And the trooper's like, cool, let me take that from you. So he pulls it out of his pocket and he's like, hey, buddy, there's some uh, there's a lady screaming in your truck, you know, and he's like, yeah, man, she's just into weird stuff. Uh, All consensual here. Nothing to worry about here. And the trooper's like, I tell you what, that sounds great. Let me talk to this lady. But right. He goes, in the meantime, what I'm going to (laughs) do is I'm going to put. You, it's for your safety as much as mine, right? I'm going to put handcuffs on you behind your back. And I'm going to ask that you just sit in the back of my cruiser. And then I'm going to go try to talk to the nice naked lady in your truck. So he does that. He cuffs uh, this individual who, surprise, surprise, this is uh, Robert Ben Rhodes, RBR. And uh, cuffs him behind the back, puts him into the cruiser. So the trooper goes back into the cab and tries to tell old girl, everything's going to be all right. I'm Mr. Police. I'm here. I've got other units en route. I've called them in. Uh, We're going to figure out how to get you out of this situation that you're in. Um, But just, you know, deep breaths, girl. It's all right. I'm I'm here. It's all good. So he tries to get her to calm down for a minute. Still leaves her there tied up because he can't really get her out. um, Because it's like metal chains and shit. So then he goes back to the cruiser. He finds our suspect in the back of the cruiser. But his hands are no longer behind his body. They are in front. Slip him to the front, yeah. And his hand is in his pocket. And the trooper says, well, sir, no, that's not that's not what I wanted to do here. Digs into that pocket, handcuff key. In the front pocket of Damn. old dude's jeans. Um, that close. So um, they're like, okay, we're going to take that key from you. And we're going to lock you up again and try this. So uh, they get the girl out. They get suspect back on station and he's interviewed he doubles down on uh is consensual and this girl is a freak i'm a freak she's a freak everybody's a freak uh the victim her name is lisa how, how you reckon to pronounce this p-e-n-n-a-l penal 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 um so she gives a statement that is slightly different from that of robert ben rhodes <laughs> slightly different it varies ever so slightly <laughs> Uh, Minor details. She does say they they agree on this. He agreed to give her a ride in his truck on the I-10. She says that she fell asleep. And when she wakes up. Didn't she learn anything from Mary Vincent? Right. Don't hitchhike. Don't fall asleep while you hitchhiking. Brett, you're going to keep coming back to that. Yes. Yes. You're going to keep coming back to that today. Um, So she wakes up and she is. When she wakes up, she's chained in the uh in the sleeper part of the truck so i want to take a brief moment to talk about what was in the sleeper portion of the truck he had modified it he put d hooks what i call d hooks like multiple places throughout the back so that he could 
uh, attached chains mm-hmm. at various points, uh, up, down, everywhere in between. So it's it's like the back of his rig or the, the back of the truck sleeper compartment is, yeah. is his Fifty Shades Red Room of Pain. Hundred percent. Okay. Hundred percent. Uh, and there's uh, and I don't know if if it's here or later, but he had a, like a suitcase that was just the stuff. All the all the things. All the stuff. Including, uh, I think there were um, some allegations that he would just like uh, poke people with like little like needle-y style things, like torture-y kind of devices, um, and just like tiny, tiny little stabs on them. Um, anywho, uh, yes, so uh, hooks for chains, chains, multiple handcuffs, which is why he had those handcuff keys ready. Um, a briefcase full of, yeah, I described them as pokey things, clamps and pain shit. Um so so that's what was found you know in the truck so now back to this victim lisa and her statement um here's the problem here's the other part of lisa's statement is that she was going to washington dc because she had a meeting to see the president to talk about brain trips brain chips microwaves and aliens oh no this bitch is crazy seems to be a problem uh, for the case, which though, if you think about it, makes, makes sense is to the type of victim that any offender, but specifically what turns out to be a serial offender would choose to prey upon someone who has a mental illness, who's not all together, who's willing to hitchhike and get in this truck. And there's a believability. Right. Issue. I mean, she's the but perfect I mean, victim. If it, she would be the perfect victim, if you're a predator looking for somebody. Right. But I mean, it's pretty clear. She's saying she didn't consent. And to the extent that she's crazy, she's probably mentally incapacitated for the purposes of a rape. Well, it and and I haven't got to one part of her statement that uh, they ended up hanging their hat on, which was she says, when I realized when I woke up and realized what the hell was going on, that she was all chained up and he was close enough to me. I bit the shit out of his shoulder, bit the shit out of it. And that's probably why she ended up with the horse bit in her mouth. She couldn't be biting no more. Right. Um. So the officers are interviewing suspect who's, you know, just saying, yeah, dude, I mean, she's man, she's out there, right? She's a couple screws loose. She's a little crazy, but she wanted to D and, you know, I gave it to her. Um, and then they were like, hey, bro, you mind taking your shirt off? And he's like, well, I'd rather not. <laughs> I'm trying to show, I'm trying to show a little skin player. Let me see that shoulder, homie. And then, uh, and then they're like, well, you're probably you're gonna, gonna need to show. You're gonna need to show. About what a freak you are, you ain't gonna take your shirt off. Right, right. So then he takes the shirt off, and lo and behold, there is this gnarly zombie wound on his uh on his shoulder that looks absolutely like a bite mark. And so they're like, "Ha ha! Corroboration. She may be crazy, but the stuff that she's saying about what happened in that sleeper, we know at least one thing happened, and that's that she bit him on the shoulder, and he hadn't mentioned anything about that." Yeah. Prior to taking the shirt off. Stands to reason y'all might be freaky, but you weren't into cannibalism. So right. when she took a chunk out your shoulder, that would indicate lack of consent. Indeed. So, you know, the prosecution apparently had some concerns about their victim in the case. Well, of course. And her possible testimony at trial, which would be uh, necessary. So, um, and, you know, a lot of, again, I want to throw this out there for our public who are not lawyers and especially not prosecutors or defense counsel um you know most cases don't go to trial even when they involve some bad conduct you know um most cases there's a plea and in this case uh there was a plea 
Robert Ben Rhodes pled in Arizona to aggravated assault, sexual assault, and unlawful imprisonment charges. Um, and some version of, you know, of negotiation. And I don't know if the actual sentence ended up being negotiated, but he got a six year, six year bid for that, um, in Arizona. So, uh, during this time, somehow, remember I told you, I saw this on FBI files, Mm -hmm, mm -hmm. FBI agent, Bob Lee, he, um, he hears about this and he is made aware of the situation in Texas, in Houston, which I believe is where he's out of, out of Houston, Texas. So after, let me ask you this question. Mm-hmm. After she says that was actually the dude and I was just too terrified to point him out, did they like put out any kind of, a, yeah, like they a get ABB, a warrant a or like well, anything? So, so that was, fe- that was February of 1990. Now we're in April, April 1 of 1990. He gets hooked up in Arizona mm-hmm. and henceforth, he stays in Arizona until he stays incarcerated until he is sentenced to the six years and everything else like that. What happens is this FBI agent in Houston is like, Oh, well that guy, that guy who now we know was the guy that did this here. He just kind of did the same thing to this person over here. Um, he wants to, uh, continue the investigation while our friend, Mr. Rhodes is incarcerated in Arizona. So, And I I love this part. He goes to the property manager of the apartment where dude was living in Houston. And it appeared to me that he was living there solo. So I I think even if he was still technically married to his wife, I I think they were estranged, not living together. And the the property manager in Texas is like, yo, when I heard he got arrested in Arizona, I went in there. Weird shit, dog. Weird shit. (laughs) And... The FBI agent's like, oh, and she's like, do tell. Yeah, man. I mean, all kinds of weird chains and shit and all this other kind of shit. And they were like, oh, okay. So they get a search warrant for his apartment in Houston and they go in there. They find uh, some ammunition, uh, women's underwear, draws, chains. That's where, that's where, that's where old draws girl's went. draws was. That, that's where they went. That's where they went. Mm-hmm. Uh, <laughs> chains, handcuffs, a white towel with some blood on it, uh, and a rack uh, to chain someone to. Uh, I got you. Yeah. Um, there was also a stack of photos that were found. And officers were particularly keen to uh, about this one particular girl who was in some of these photos. Lots of the pictures were of her. Some of them, she was nude, uh, various states of dress. Her hair had been cut very short, and they knew that he, she had been with him for some amount of time because in the photographs, you can see bruising on her, and then you see the bruising in various stages of healing. healing yeah. And so, um, you know, with what they've heard about him from the girl who escaped the California girl who escaped weeks, in right? Houston, she said she was in the cab for two weeks. Um, and so they're like, well, okay, all of this jives. We want to try to find who this girl is in these pictures. Also, not not to challenge her estimation of time, but mm-hmm. you know, this is early 90s, no cell phones. You're chained up. You got a dog collar on, whatever. How, is she just counting sunrises like how does she know it's too i mean maybe they're having some maybe they're listening to the radio maybe they're you know having some conversations at some point Hmm. um 
you know, I guess before before cell phones, we knew and we could tell the dates. And if she didn't need medical attention, he's obviously mm. feeding her and stuff. So maybe. Or, yeah, I'm just wondering. I mean, it sounds like I I, I assume she's in the back of this rig, just chained all chained up, up, and she, you know, like right, but, pooping on the floor. Yeah, and, right. Yeah. 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 So, um. Uh, it sounded like they took some some samples of these pictures that they found and they're going around in the Houston area and like just, you know, kind of passing them out, APB type thing. Like anybody know anything about these women in these photographs? Um, so that would have been sometime after April 1990. September of 1990, a farmer in Greenville, Illinois, he was going to donate a barn on his property to the fire department for them to burn it. And I thought that was kind of interesting. Just a little tidbit like, Hey, I don't know if they were going to like practice firefighting on a structure and mm -hmm. like, Hey, if you're going to get rid of this barn, we'll burn it down for you and clean it up and help the firefighters. I don't know. Um, so he's doing a walkthrough of the barn before the fire department comes to burn it down. And he comes across the decomposed body of a young woman uh, who was apparently naked. Um, this is his barn that he owns his barn on that his he property? Owns in Illinois. Yes, this is real suspect. In Illinois. You I swear, find a dead girl out in your own barn? Yeah, I swear I don't know that's how gonna she got there. That's going to be alarming. It's like, yeah, and it's, you know, it's an old barn and he's going to, hadn't used it for years and he was going to have it burned down. And then he goes in and he's like, oh God. I mean, yeah, no, if that's the way it went down, that would be terrifying. But like, okay, police, um, <laughs> I don't I know. promise I don't know where this body in my barn that I was trying to get y'all to burn to the ground <laughs> came from. Right, right. Well, think about this. Thank, Thank God, God he found, he found it found before. It. You know, the fire department yeah, right? comes in and they're like, oh, there's a dead body up in here. He's trying to he trying to cover up this crime. Old man Johnson over here. He's got bodies in his barn. Indeed. Uh, and interestingly enough, just from the, at that point, bones, uh, themselves, they were able to determine the cause of death because, um, a wire had been wrapped around the throat, uh, and a garrote had mm. been made and it had been twisted 16 times. Damn. Um, Yikes. the body had been dead for at least six months upon its, uh, discovery in September of 1990. It was a 14 to 16 year old girl is what uh, they determined from the bones. And so I, I thought this was uh, interesting and sad. At the time, they did like a, you know, it's the 90s where the internet is like, exists, I guess, and like searching stuff. Sort of. Sort of, like from, from you know, law enforcement standpoint, being able to maybe have larger databases of things. Uh, and there Thanks, were- Thanks, Al Gore. Yeah, thank you. Much appreciated, <laughs> bro. And uh, at the time that they found the body- uh, 950 missing girls fit the profile Damn. of based upon what they could find physically about this child, 950 missing, uh, kids. So that, uh, they put it out, um, apparently all over some kind of multi-state multi-jurisdictional, you know, national network about this body. Um, which even just to me, it's just strange. Like it, could you imagine like in our jurisdiction, um, or jurisdiction like ours, someone, if you find a dead body and then your first thought might be like, you know, I'm going to put it out on the teletype that maybe this person came from somewhere else. Like, I, I don't know at what point you start to look outside of your sleepy, mm. sleepy town uh, for the source of this victim. 
but yeah, that's true. I'd be looking hard at old man Peabody. Yeah, yeah, Peabody's getting <laughs> Peabody's getting search warranted hard. Yeah, um, but yeah, you're right to just be like, well, you know what? This is probably a body dropped off from somewhere else. Yeah, I don't know how you reach that conclusion. Me either. But at some point, uh, information got down to the Houston, Texas area about this body, um, specifically Pasadena, Texas. You know about that? It's like Southeast Houston. I don't know. Oh, they I've got never heard of that. Pasadena, Texas Police Department. Houston seems so big. They got it like is. all these little sections. Anyway, mm-hmm. it seems to be in the Southeast quadrant. Um, This detective reaches out to Illinois about this body. And he says, yo, might might be a girl that's missing from down here. And that girl was Regina Walters, a 14-year-old girl who had gone missing February 3rd, 1990 in the Houston area. I, I'm, st- I'm still, I'm kind of baffled by this. I don't mm-hmm. understand. You said this body had been there for six months. They, mm-hmm. uh, There's got to be, it's just a skeleton. Correct. So how are they figuring that like, I mean, okay, fine. You have height mm-hmm. off the skeleton and I'm, I guess maybe they're bone estimating bone the weight and so forth. Sure. But like how... And the age, yeah. Yeah. Based upon uh, the I development mean, of the, the bones. I guess yeah, the teeth. you got size and and age. Well, but let, guess, me, let me know. tell you why let me tell you why Pasadena police picked up the phone and called Illinois. Because it wasn't just that, hey, there's a body that happens to be of a fourteen year old fourteen to sixteen year old girl, and I'm looking for a fourteen year old girl. So she had gone missing February third, nineteen ninety. Um, what had happened was her and her boyfriend Ricky. Ricky Jones up and decided they were going to run away one day. Mm. 14 year old and her boyfriend decide they're going to run away. And the best way they see fit to do that is to hitch hike mm. Raymond. Dumb. They going to hitch hike. That's the Dumb last kids. last they was seen. So now a month after Regina and Ricky go missing, Regina's father gets a phone call on his landline. It's an unlisted number that her father has. There's a dude on the end of the phone, and he says, she's in a barn. I cut her hair. Hmm. Dad says, is my girl alive? Click. Hangs up. So based upon the timing of them saying this body's been here probably about six months and lining it up with the phone phone call. call about a barn and the time frame, they say, we think it might be our girl. Dental records confirm that the body in the barn is 14-year-old Regina Walters from Houston, Texas. She's in a barn in Illinois. Um, Peabody cleared. Indeed. Peabody, presumably. presumably Peabody is uh, cleared for now. So uh, here's the thing. They then look at those pictures that were found in the dude's apartment. The girl, the main girl that most of the pictures are of, it's identified as Regina. That's her. Including pictures taken in the barn that they are able to identify are taken in the barn where her body was found. So based upon, and those are the, those are the haunting pictures that I have uh, discussed and that mm. I'm going to make you all look Damn. at. Um, I just curious. I don't know if, if you were able to discover this. I mean, mm-hmm. if dude's a, a long haul trucker, I imagine the majority of his driving is done in his rig. Yes. How maybe, maybe I'm, I'm getting ahead of ourselves here, mm-hmm. but how do they, 
Did they ever figure out how dude got this girl to this barn? I have to, I'm just assuming if guys like, Hey, yeah, go ahead and burn my barn down or whatever. It's got to be fairly remote. Right. Taking a big old rig all the yeah, way up there. Yeah, in the country. So he would like, have to have how, his how truck. How did he, how did he get there? Yeah. Um, they never, never explained that. Nope. Hmm. Okay. Nope. Maybe, uh, you know, maybe the barn is visible from a, you know, a decent road. I mean, hell maybe think about, think about out here at the interstate that goes through rural area you could pull your yeah. truck over on the interstate and walk onto somebody's farm. It's interesting. That's true. So, um, they have motion lights and stuff back in 1990. You know what I'm saying? They didn't, yeah. have, they didn't have ring cams. Right. For did sure. They I mean, it will, I guess. I think mo I remember having a motion light as a kid. I think I remember having dusk to dawn lights. Yeah. Dusk to dawn lights. Bro, yeah. I got those. I got yeah. those on my house they, right they now. They come on when it get dark. Yeah. But I don't know if there was motion detectors necessarily, but mm. I remember dusk to dawn lights. Hmm. Hmm. Well, round about this time that they're piecing together this evidence, uh, our dude is fixing to get paroled out of Arizona on his six-year bid. So, um, Illinois said, nah, and they sent dudes down with a warrant, a uh, murder warrant for Miss Walters. Good on Illinois. Yeah. And they hit him with it uh, at the prison in Arizona and said, you know. Go ahead and parole, son. We'll see. We'll see you soon. They try to talk to him. They try to hit him with some of the evidence that they have at the time. And he stops talking and says, he, you know, doesn't want to talk anymore. Wants a lawyer. So he is taken to Illinois uh, and Illinois has decided they're going to seek the death penalty. Mm. Oh, boy. Yeah. Um, in addition to the photographs, uh, they went over to Arizona to what was found in the truck when he was arrested. And it included... Um, the girl's notebook. She had like a little notebook that she carried with her mm -hmm. and the girl's notebook was in the rig and it had her dad's number written in it. Mm -hmm. So that's where he that's got evidence. the phone number to call the dad. Uh, and Illinois said, we're going to give you the needle. And he's like, yeah, pass. He pleads guilty to the first degree murder of Regina Walters in Illinois for a life without parole sentence, but to avoid the death penalty. Um, this is also sad. Um, you know, I don't know Regina's, uh, uh, Regina Walters. I don't know her, you know, socioeconomic status or this or that out of Houston, Texas, but her family was not able to be present for the plea and or sentencing in Illinois. And that just pissed me off. Um, that, you know, I just, it's just sad. Uh, you know, cause it's a momentous occasion. It's the only, you're never going to get your kid back. It's the only bit of justice you're going to get is this guy is never going to get out of prison and he's accepting responsibility for what he did, uh, to your girl and no one was there, but the detective, um, the detective was there and he felt he took it upon himself because the family wasn't there. He was going to talk some shit to the dude after, <laughs> after they sentenced him. And so he says, uh, Hey, you know, the family couldn't make it, but uh, uh, it's my pleasure to uh, I, I, the way I wrote the note was like a uh, Chick-fil-A that it was he's like, it's my pleasure to build this case on you and put you away for the rest of your life. You piece of shit. His response, direct quote from Robert Ben Rhodes. I'm not making this up. Direct quote. Get fucked. <laughs> <laughs> he stole your jam. And then the detective goes, no, I think you're the one who has to worry about that where you're going. And um, Should have killed him. Yeah. Bam, bam, bam. Uh, so 
at that point, people, you know, various law enforcement officers are hearing about this and they're going, you know, maybe we need to uh, start looking if this dude has abducted all these people and he's done all this and he's admitted to killing this girl. Um, maybe he's killed others. Oh, and, and don't get it twisted. Ricky, uh, Ricky Jones, the boyfriend. Yeah, I was going to say whatever happened. Ricky, to Ricky Jones's Jones. body was found in 1990 in Texas outside of Houston. It wasn't identified until his body wasn't identified until 1992. Um, it is believed that he was killed Almost immediately when he after he oh, that got makes in. sense. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Get him going. And that um, then he kept um, the girl with him and uh, torture, rape, all that other kind of terrible stuff. And so while we are on it, oh. here they are. You're ruined. You're welcome. That is 14 oh. year old Regina Walters. Uh, presumably just moments before she was killed. And he kept those as mementos in his house. I know she, and he's cut her hair. Uh, I don't know what that thing was about. I assume this is the barn. That is, Mm -hmm. she is in the barn. Uh, That is apparently a dress that he made her wear and heels and all this other kind of stuff. That was not what she was wearing when she, when she left. And it's terrible. And that's what he looked like. But you want to, you want to get to my, my theory on people. Look at him when he's older. Look at that. <laughs> look at that guy. I encourage anyone listening. So nobody to no, look at nobody Jeffrey Dahmered him. No, on the inside. I, I I'm gonna tell you something. He filed some stuff last month. Some habeas stuff. He'd still be filing. I, How, he, he he filed stuff because he, he said his shoulder guilty hurt. Guilty to avoid the death penalty, and he's filing habeas cases. I hate. Bet that. just an asshole. I hate he inmates had, who do that. Yeah, like he had three direct appeals. 1945 DOB and he's still filing stuff. Yep. And the last stuff that he filed, he's filing 1983s federally saying he his shoulder hurt and they ignored the fact that his shoulder hurt and didn't give him no treatment. Illinois should have tried him and killed him. Agreed. Agreed, agreed, agreed. Yeah, they had a good case. They did have a good case. A real good case. I thought. Um, Well, I mean, I guess if they got life sentence, it didn't matter, but the the feds never did anything with him? Nah. (laughs) Come on. <laughs> Come on, player. Come on. What do you think? Um, so, uh, so law enforcement started looking into... So why did they make Texas. FBI files? They didn't do anything. Bro, they coordinated all this multi-state stuff. Oh, okay. All right. You dig? You dig? I see. Do co- you remember uh, Mr. Bobby Lee? Bob Lee. Bob Lee's the one got a damn search warrant on his house. Well, okay, fine. Fair enough. Okay. Bob Lee's doing it. And uh, I just did a whole episode of FBI files. We got a search warrant. <laughs> so <laughs> that's pretty fast. I'm, I'm interested to know who he's trying to make all these girls look like by cutting their hair. Yeah. Right. And what's dressing this? them up in these specific clothes. What's this coming back to? Yeah. Yeah. That. Yeah, um, so. After he pleads guilty, avoids death penalty, he's doing life. Um, some folks. Hey, oh, let me tell you who. Texas Ranger, Brooks Long. He um, he starts, yeah, right? Right? It's a good Brooks, name. It's a good Brooks name. Long. Ranger Long. Ranger Long. I'm Ranger Long. I'm here to save the damn day. Um, he starts investigating a missing couple from January 1990. 
Um, he is investigating the disappearance of Douglas Ziskowski. Oh, okay. Douglas Ziskowski and his wife, uh, um, Candace Walsh. She had another name in there. There was a third name. I think Candace is the middle name. Miss Walsh. And um, and I left that print out in the other room. Everything's fine. <laughs> I'm don't at, panic. It's fine. Don't, don't panic. It's fine. I, I might go get that. So in January of 1990, these two newlyweds uh, are both from the Seattle area. They gave up all their earthly belongings to head east for Jesus. That's the best that I could get about it is that they were going east uh, and they were going through Texas and then they were missing, but they were hitchhiking through Texas, presumably going east to west. That might have put them on I-10 um, if they were in the... I thought they were from Seattle. Originally from Seattle, but they oh. had sold all their belongings and they were trying to... They were going east. They were going east. So they were going west to east. Right. Did I say east to west? Mm -hmm. Yes. I mean, I meant east and west. Like, like they're going laterally. Okay. Um, I got you. But sorry. Because um, their, their ultimate goal, I believe, is to get to Florida. Okay. Um, and they're in... Jesus wants them in Florida. Jesus wants them in Florida with no personal belongings. So um, mm -hmm. they were hitchhiking on presumably I-10 and then they went missing. And then sometime in 1990, Doug, our husband here... Uh, his remains were found in Crockett County, Texas. I have a star that indicates I need to look up where Crockett County, Texas is. I did that on my other computer. It's not sitting <laughs> here in front of me. Um, when they found his body, he had multiple gunshot wounds to the head. Oh. And they were uh, able to say that it was from a Jennings semi-automatic handgun, a J-22, shooting Thompson, Thompson brand ammunition. How did he get all Ricky Jones? Yeah, I was wondering that too. Did he shoot him? Uh, you know, I don't remember hearing the cause of death, just that yeah. they had found his body. Hmm. Um, wait a second. He also, this is terrible. It, the In the the notebook that was Regina Walters, there was a page where there was a drawing and they believed he's the one that drew it. And it said like, Ricky's dead. And there was a bleeding knife and a oh. gun drawn, but it was like in her notebook. Um hmm. And they thought he was drawing that to taunt her. Um, just a super dick. I was going to say. Well, he so, he, he enjoys pain. in every way. Right, right. Emotional and physical, I reckon. Um, so uh, apparently the ammunition used to shoot and kill Dougie um, was unique. And they were able to identify it to a weapon, like a specific brand of weapon. So it must have been a unique uh, barrel design as well. Um now, they looked at, during the investigation of these missing folks, obviously with all the stuff that's happened with Robert Ben Rhodes, they looked at him. And Texas originally cleared Rhodes because when they searched his house or his apartment, remember the, the infamous, the FBI search warrant, allegedly, um, they found ammo, right? Mm -hmm. And it was 22 ammo, which is the same caliber of what we're looking at here. But the it was listed as Arms Corps as the, as the brand, which is a manufacturer of ammunition and so they were like well he's got 22 ammo here but it's not the same brand as what was used to kill this other guy so we we don't think it was him and um 
So this ranger is like, no, seriously, I get that. I get that it's listed as arms core ammo. Can you please go into the evidence room, open that up and tell me what you see in it? And they open the box and the box says arms core, but every every bullet in there is marked with a T for Thompson oh. ammunition. Oh, mm-hmm. yeah. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Yeah, it's earned himself a chapter in bubblations. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> so um, now at the same time, the uh, Miss Walsh, the wife, uh, all they really knew about her was, you know, age, about approximate size and the fact that she was a redhead. So they're putting out this APB. We finna find if you got a body of an we expect her to be naked, a naked female in her mid 20s. That may have been a random DB in your town. That's dead body in your town. Um, if you don't know now, if, you know. If you don't know now, you know DB. Um, also short for detective bureau. But in this instance, or context. Battery. Yes, in this context, dead body. Um, and we're looking for death by twenty-two pistol. Uh, just thinking that if the husband was taken no, out they, this way, he wouldn't have shot her. He would have done something to her that was much more long-term painful you would think they get a call from millard county utah it's utah and they said yo we got these bones in the evidence thing over here literally and that's how it was described like this body is in our evidence room we got ginger bones yes <laughs> they said we got ginger hair and she was gatted. Oh, really? Still had hair. Yes. Oh, it, this was a redheaded female in her twenties, and she got gatted with a twenty-two. Oh. And the the shell casings found next to her body were stamped Thompson. And they were like, "Well, damn." So um, they get this uh, stuff and they compare it to the others. And yes, the same gun killed Dougie in Texas and killed Miss um, Walsh in Utah. Um, then they looked at old dude's logs and they saw that uh, there was a time in January where, and I guess it correlated with the last time the couple was seen in Texas, uh, that he was picked up. And then seven days later, his truck logs had him in this county in Utah. And so hmm. they were able to kind of say, well, he kept her alive for a week um, and then probably dumped her body up there. But they wanted to build the case a little bit uh, mo better. Now, they said they matched the gun and the ammo. And I'm wondering, it was never explicitly said in what I watched, but they pulled a gun off of him in Arizona that was a 22 style pocket pistol, which is what a Jennings J-22 is. So I reckon they ultimately with ballistics tied these bodies to him by the gun that was removed from the by the trooper on the side of the road. That makes sense. Uh, mm -hmm. Back then. So uh, they also, at some point, I know I've mentioned, they found a white towel. It was either in the truck or yeah, in the was, search warrant with some search blood, warrant, search warrant yeah. blood on it. Yeah, that was Miss Walsh's blood. Oh. On the uh, towel in his residence. A little souvenir. So he's. We've done so many good cases. I mean, it's good. It's great, right? Like, those are great, <clears throat> great cases. So um, he's in Illinois doing life without. Uh, Should be there. Utah, <laughs> Utah, uh, does a, like a um, ID, an ID. Thank you, um, and gets him. You want to explain ID? 
what's it? Interstate agreement. Interstate agreement on detainers. detainers. Yes. Yes. So while you're in custody and a bunch of jurisdiction, yeah, you go through all this procedural mess. You can go to another state to resolve those charges. Even though you're serving a sentence in one state, you can be brought temporarily to the other state to resolve to be prosecuted. Yeah. Right. (laughs) And there's time frames on that. You got to try them within a certain amount of time or this or that. So he is brought to Utah, and he's kept in Utah for like a year on this IED. And then Utah's because they charged him with the murder of Miss Walsh, the female, the wife. Uh, and then Utah is like, ha, psych, dismissed. Uh, they they dismissed their case. Utah send him back to Illinois after they brought him. After they brought him, that doesn't make a lot of sense. Yeah, yeah. Read an article by the way where prosecutors like, yeah, not do it again. I don't, I don't really know why. Um, what? But and indeed. I dismiss that murder again. But, I'd gladly spend our state's money to bring him all the way here just to do nothing. Right? Do you know why they dismissed? Because Texas was going to Texas the shit out of this. Are they going to kill him? Texas, Texas finna try to kill him. They still haven't apparently. But not, but not just that. Here's what Texas. Utah do. was like, oh, oh, you, Texas, you want, you want to kill him? <laughs> All right, well, we'll let you do that first. You do that first. See how it works out. Well, but see, yeah, you'll kill him all see, the way. How does no, and we'll I wonder, yeah. hypothetically, if you actually get him dead? Yeah, right. right. Hypothetically, though, I wonder how that works. If you're serving a life without sentence in one jurisdiction, you're taken to another jurisdiction <laughs> and given I mean, the technically you're supposed to serve the first first one first. before you do. I don't know if they could kill you under that circumstance. Or After be you like, die, we're gonna kill you so fast. Yeah, you, they're gonna bring your body to Texas. We're gonna just pump some stuff into you. <laughs> Um, but here's what Texas was doing that was so wild. And and I, I had to look this up and I finally got the answer to understand it. Texas charged Mr. Rhodes with the murder of Dougie and the murder of his wife. Even though they didn't know. Even though she I was mean, killed in Utah, Texas was like, I don't matter. And I'm not going to get you in Texas, son. And Did I was they like, just do it for an enhancement or. Nope. Nope. Uh, the Utah prosecutor was like, look, Texas said they was going to try her down there, try him down there, too, for this killing, too. And don't wanna... all the vi- all the witnesses would be the same. I mean, if Texas going to do it, let's let Texas do it. And uh, that was kind of his response. But the jurisdictional but the issue? jurisdictional issue. So normally, right, to be prosecuted for a crime. In a county, so, you know, you you I mean, have they can to prosecute him for kidnapping. Her. Well, you you have to be prosecuted in the county in which the crime occurred. That's not the way it works in Texas, Cheryl. You just do com- you commit crimes anywhere, and Texas, Texas going to get you to do something here. Yeah, yes, that is actually how it, it works. It don't matter where you finish it. Is that if you the kidnapping began in Texas, and there's apparently in the Texas statutes on kidnapping and murder. If it starts in Texas, it can end in Texas with a needle in your arm. So if you kidnap someone from Texas, but you kill them in a whole other place, Texas law says you can still charge them and we prosecute will them kill you. for the killing. Correct. Yeah, not the not kidnapping, just for the, the murder. Kidnapping. Not just the kidnapping, for the murder. He was indicted on kidnapping and has murder. The, has the Supreme this, Court? This whole criminal transaction... Initiated in Texas, and it might have ended somewhere else, but you started shit here, so we gonna finish it. Yes, I mean, dude, I kind of like that. I know, dude. I like, I like it too. (laughs) I mean, and that's a thing that's ordinarily in statutes for kidnapping, and it's progressively become a thing that's in statutes for like, um, 
credit card fraud and those kinds sure, of things, those sure. frequently yeah. go across Cross state, state lines. lines. Yeah. So if any part of any transaction happens in that jurisdiction, it can be prosecuted mm-hmm. there. But the murder that yes. happened clearly in Utah. <laughs> Thousands has, of miles away in Utah. Has the federal government uh, considered the constitutionality of that? I mean, assuming they put somebody to the needle on it before, I'd have to think it was get reviewed. I mean, they get they get 87 appeals I mean, if they don't give you the needle. I like it, though. I like it, too. And and Utah was like, get it, Texas. Go on now. And um, <laughs> so... Uh, but it's boring because he's a big, boring loser, and he ended up. Um, Texas did the same thing Pled. that Illinois did. They pled him to life without took death off the table. Took death off the table. Pled him to both. But there's so he is convicted of three murders. Technically, he is convicted of Regina and the married couple in Texas. He has never been convicted for, for Ricky. For Ricky, um, here's the part that gets me. He made some offhand comment like, I've been doing this shit for 15 years, something. He made some kind of, and now everybody, he they give him a nickname of like the truck stop killer uh, is what his, you know, his nickname is. And they're like, people, you know, authorities believe he may be responsible for upwards of 50 homicides. Bullshit is what I say. I say bullshit on that. Um, what he did was absolutely terrible to these people, but all of these murders that we're even talking about and the sexual assaults that we're talking about, the attempted, if, if he maybe was going to kill that girl that got out in February in Houston, that, that picked out did his truck. Did they ever prosecute any no. sexual assaults related to her? No, did not prosecute any of that. So, um, any- The girl who bit him. It, right. And then there was the girl who bit him in Arizona. Um. Oh yeah, that was that, the Arizona That was girl. the Arizona girl. They did prosecute they that. Got he got six, six years, years on that. Yeah. So, but- all of these people that we have talked about in this entire episode, this all happened between January right, and April it was a spree. of 1990. That's, I was thinking that earlier. And he didn't have that many other, you know, I, I think I think this was it. I think this was his run. I think in January, he fucked around January through April in April 1 in Casa Grande, Texas, or Casa Grande, Arizona, he found out. And, I, and from then on, he's been incarcerated. And I don't think, I don't, I don't know. The thing is, he's, he's mobile. He's all over the country. He's preying upon generally hitchhikers, um, which, you know, some of them mentally ill, some of this or that, drug addicts, this and that. Um, so maybe, maybe there are some more that we don't know about it, but I don't think so. I don't think if there are that many more, I don't think there's like that many more. I, I don't think he's like a prolific serial killer. I think he's an asshole who's a sexual sadist. And I think he started stealing and, and picking up these girls and assaulting them. And I think it, it progressed. And when that girl got away. Now I got to kill him. Now I got to kill him. Now I got to kill him when she got away. Uh, although, ironically, if you actually look at the math, he killed the husband and wife couple before that. Oh, that's true. Um, which is which is my problem with how this is always portrayed. It's always told out of order. And then you're like, oh, if that girl had just not been so traumatized and she had pointed him out. Nah, people were already dead. Right. Uh, now, the problem was what is what is alleged is that that day that she pointed him out and then took the story back was the same day that Regina Walters was abducted or was picked up with with Ricky. Mm. So that. To that extent, I guess that's true. Um, so. Were there were there any pictures in the apartment that they found of anyone who wasn't identified? 
Thank you. Thank you, Cheryl, for asking. Yes. And there has been a photograph, um, in one in particular, that has always been shown. It's been blasted on the Internet since, you know, thanks again, Al Gore, since that really blew up. You know what I mean? The Internet. Um, it's a thing. There's this one picture and they're like, who is this woman? And it was in the stack with uh, Regina's pictures. And it was a... Um, uh, young, uh, attractive, uh, looked to perhaps be of like Native American descent, um, female. And the picture was taken in the cab of his truck. And she's, you know, sitting there um, a couple of years ago after an article that came out in 2012 and some, some, some. And th this woman is in Canada. She's a Canadian resident and she's on Facebook and she sees a picture of her with this heading of like, do you know this woman? She's like, that's that's me. I am that person. And so she ends up like calling to the FBI and telling them who she is and everything. And she said, yes, that's me. That occurred in 1985 is when that picture was taken. And she was, she hitched a ride in Canada, a, uh, from like one, she was going to go visit her brother or something in Western Canada. Canada. <laughs> going to go visit her brother in Western Canada. And she got in this guy's truck and she said, hey, I really appreciate if you give me the ride. I have a really heavy bag. I can't lift it up into the cab. Could you, you know, if you're willing to take me, are you willing to also help me load this bag in? And he's like, sure, bet. And so as she's turning to get ready to get out of the truck to go get her bag, uh, he snaps this picture of her. And she was like, now, what'd you go and do that for? That was weird. You know, with this Polaroid. And he was like, whip. That's in case you try to steal any of my shit. He's like, I will take this to the cops and I'll have a picture of you of what you look like. So don't steal my shit. And she's like, cool, I won't steal your shit. And so she said it was a perfectly normal, you know, experience for a while. And they were driving in, for a while. in Canada. Well, and I look, I made a comment about <laughs> this on one of our previously recorded episodes, recent recorded episodes. Um, he apparently had a sign on the dash. And it said cash grass or ass that's what it said on the on the uh on the, on the dash, dash of the truck and she said i didn't have no money i wasn't into marijuana so i knew what it was gonna be that's how she said it i knew what it was gonna be she was like so we went in the back and i let him clap and it was cool and um, and then he got me to where I was going and dropped me off and uh, never had any never had any problem with it. But uh, hmm. the the one unidentified female in the stack of pictures has been presumably by her, at least. I don't know if the FBI has put out anything, but she showed a picture of her at the time, like from around that time, compared to the picture that I saw on the Internet that was taken with a search warrant. And I mean, they look they look pretty similar. And she describes she said he introduced himself as uh one of his two names, either like Rob or Ben, one of those two, I think Ben. And, um, you know, and he obviously was a trucker and, and doing that stuff. And so it seems credible. It, se it seems credible that that was, uh, that was him. So, and for all of the evidence that was in his apartment related to all of the murders, mm -hmm. you'd think they'd be something unaccounted for if there were a lot of other victims. Yeah. Agreed. I think there'd be some things in the, uh, truck in the apartment, um, he more seems pictures. Like a guy who's keeping souvenirs. Mm -hmm. Seriously, I mean, he's keeping lots of souvenirs, and I think so. I I think that crew 
maybe it, or, you know, there may have been another one here or there, but uh, I definitely don't think he was like, you know, it's not like the next Ted Bundy or nothing like that. I know what I'm saying. Right. But uh, that is, oh, and so, yeah, so he, he tried some appeals. He, uh, some of them were so dumb, Cheryl, but the problem was on his direct appeal, he actually did get relief a couple times in Illinois. Uh, specifically he pled and apparently this was their rule, which has now changed. And that's why it's, it got remanded. Um, their rule was if you had a lawyer and you had a negotiated plea and you were sentenced pursuant to that plea, then you, you don't get, um, if you're going to file an appeal later or all this other kind of stuff, you don't get a lawyer. You don't, you're not entitled to the oh, assistance for the appeal. Yes. Oh, yes. Now, if you go down swinging and there's all that stuff, yeah, we'll get you a lawyer. But if you had a lawyer at the time and you had a negotiated plea and you were sentenced within that plea, we're not, we're not spending tax dollars on your lawyer. You're, you're the, the judge. You can ask the judge for a lawyer, but they don't have to give you one. Um, and so he filed a pro se motion to withdraw his plea which was, I think he filed that originally, um, you know, post entering the plea prior to sentencing or something like that. And the judge was like, nope, you can get fucked. And then uh, he appealed that. Uh, and and when he, or and after he got sentenced, yeah, he filed another like motion to withdraw a plea and something, something, something. And the judge goes, I'm going to count that as a motion to reduce sentence. Um. And I'm not going to appoint you a lawyer and I'm denying it. So he appealed that and Illinois Supreme Court ultimately said there was some case that they had put out in the meantime that was like, no, you get a lawyer. So they gave him a lawyer, just dumb shit for him to fight on. So then he came back up a second time because the new lawyer, uh, as soon as he got appointed, was one of his trial. Tri- I mean, he didn't go to trial, but, you know, like one of his right. trial level counsel, trial, trial counsel. Um, and he was like. That dude immediately withdrew and he's like, he's just wanting to allege now, you know, that, that I failed him. So I don't want to represent him in that. And the judge was like, cool, I'm not going to appoint him anybody else. Or like, ultimately he did get a lawyer appointed and then everything gets not, it just nothing, just mm-hmm. running mill, no just merit, no merit to it. Um, they, he had beef. Apparently their, their plea taking in Illinois uh, I mean, f- why would he even fuck with it, though? This is what I don't understand. When you're in a state that, that kill will you. kill you, yeah, and, and your you plea that. agreement is based upon avoiding being killed. Yeah. And that's how they, I mean, that's how like, they started their opinion. if you win, they're going to try you and kill you. Right. Right. And, and the opinion started with, like, he received a benefit out of this plea and that he is not on death row. So. Like, I object to not being dead right now. Well, right. the rest of us do, too. It's all sir. Just- just dumb, just a waste of time. And then, like Sir. I said, he's been he's been filing these stupid habeas where he's like, my shoulder hurts, and I don't, you know, just I, the last filing was. So January that's not based upon so, anything having to do with the merits of his case. Just, no, he's, and and presumably he's not he's saying the prison wherever he is isn't is crusty. Yeah. yeah. So where yeah. where is he housed? Illinois. Come on, Illinois inmates. I know. Illinois DOC. <laughs> I know. Dahmer this, this fool. Just Dahmer this guy. I mean, you know, it. 
Yeah, he's got to be in like PC, right? Like, or maybe it's so long ago nobody cares. I don't know. I mean, he's an old old man now. Yeah. Is that like a recent picture? Uh, no, that's probably early two thousands. Oh, you you look at old boy. Let me see if I can get on the interwebs. He looks worse than that now. He does. He looks worse than that now. This, all this, the mouth and the eye is all getting worse. It's God, exponentially why are you doing, worse. Why, why are you doing this? Yeah. Just take just, him, Lord. Yeah, right. <laughs> just, just take him. Knocking on death's door. Indeed. I got a you know, brutal murders of the truck stop. Oh, oh, oh Lord. Dear. Oh, where's the parrot on his shoulder? <laughs> what is happening? That's that's insane. Mm-hmm. Yeah. So he, I mean, he's not looking good. He's not looking good. At he's this looking moment. super deranged. Yeah. He's, he's <laughs> <laughs> Why does he look like that? Creeper. <laughs> yeah. Right. Uh, they take so, the hood off and it's Jonathan Winters. And <laughs> I've gotten away wait, with it if it wasn't for you pesky, pesky kids <laughs> and your dog. Uh, yeah. <laughs> Uh, oh, before she was uh, made to dress up like a grown ass woman and had oh, this now she lovely looks fourteen. Hair. Yeah, that's that's Regina. So, yeah, that's terrifying. So, don't uh, hitch hike. That really, that's what this comes back to, uh, yeah, right? That's the theme of the season so far. Yeah, right? yeah just perhaps. stop it. Just don't don't, don't be hitchhiking. Hitchhike. Um, People will kill you. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. And I would say. If you're hitchhiking, you're not staying out of trouble, which is all we ask of folks, really. Right. If we I have mean, a low bar. It's true. Just <laughs> uh so it, it it's a it's a sad case yeah. for Regina. No, it is sad. It's a sad case for the uh the other victims as well, those weird folks coming through Texas. And that poor man who had to get that phone call. That shit's ice cold. I I mean yeah. we, we we talked about that, but that Again, to just a sadist. Father. Sadist making everybody hurt. I cut her hair. She's in the bar. Yep. Fucking freak. Yeah, but interestingly enough, without that him spiking the football, taunting dad, then the Pasadena, Texas police wouldn't have known those facts, mm -hmm. which would not have made them, you know. That's what you get for being an asshole. That's what you get. Don't start none, won't yeah. be none. Put all the pieces one. together because you that's called. That's rule number done. one. Yeah, old and man keep, Peabody keep, out keeping his, the mementos. His, uh, his pine farm would have looked real yeah, shady Peabody. if you hadn't called. <laughs> Peabody could have got stuck with this. Peabody really could have. Farmer his farm, Peabody, Farmer Peabody, yeah. my man's. Yeah. Uh, you know, I know by the time I know by the time this one's out, Patreon's going to be up and running. If if this episode don't get us more Patreon subscriptions, I don't know what will. Yeah, dude, people want to see the pictures. I mean, they have Google. I just Googled it. Dude, yeah, I know. But I'm just saying, like, don't Google. Listen to us and find them through us and pay us to do it. Yeah. No, that's way better. But you don't want to see them, you can, to be honest. No, honestly, honestly, it's sad. You're, it's you're sad. right. You're right. Um, so don't look them up, but you probably will. You probably already have. Um, and uh, and also, yeah, look up the picture of the piece of shit that killed her that looks like a pirate. Arr, yeah. Shiver me timbers. Uh, Y'all seen SpongeBob? <laughs> I'm sure somebody is shivering his he timbers tonight. looks... <clears throat> The SpongeBob pirate looks so good compared to <laughs> Yeah, that dude looks rough. Oh, oh man. No, that was, that was an interesting one. Sad, but the interstate Yikes. nature of that one. Right. You know, just, that, that's, that one's, that's a good one. Honestly, surprising to me, 1990, you know, that that's these jurisdictions were able to. That they figured it out. Right. 
Right. And that's why, that's the other thing. I don't want to give this piece of shit any credit for being like a criminal mastermind. That got no. I don't think he no. did. He's I don't think so he got dumb. away with it. I think he tried to kill a couple people and he got caught on all of them and he got caught real quick and he's been in prison ever since because he's a dummy. And, you know, I I don't know. Just, I, I don't, I don't have enough uh, respect for him to think that he got away with anything. So. Yeah. He doesn't so, seem smart enough to have done that for a very long time. No. Mm-mm. I mean, if for he sure. still start off calling people's fathers and he keeps all this evidence. All the evidence. Yeah. Maybe he wanted to be caught. Right. Mm-hmm. Yeah. So that is the story of Robert Ben Rhodes, a.k.a. Whips and Chains, <laughs> a.k.a. The Truck Stop Killer. Um who um, sucks at just about everything, including murder. Um, yeah. Violates rule number one. The only one. thing he's good at is not dying in prison. Yeah, apparently. So Even though his shoulder hurts. Shucks. <laughs> yeah. How dare you? <laughs> Poor fella. <laughs> <laughs> so uh, don't be like him. Don't start none. Won't be none. Rule uh, number one. And until next time, y'all stay out of trouble. Raymond acted like he didn't even know it was a song. It's awful. Like he didn't even know who Michael Bolton is. He knows who Michael. With the hair. Hair of a god. I mean, not after he cut it, but previously, hair of a god. Why would I look at your notes? I want to be surprised. I don't know, but Joe knows about Michael Bolton. I mean, I know who Michael is. How can we be lovers if we can't be friends? But that jam, nah. Right. I don't know that I've ever actually really listened to any Michael Bolton. It's a banger. I mean, what I heard, I like how quintessentially 1980s it was. I heard. It's a banger. He has one that's really.